everybody. We've got today Scotland's finest, perhaps one of Scotland's finest for sure, with over 6.5 millions in Tendon Mob and a Triple Crown winning one EPT, one WPT, and one WSOP, as well as everyone's favorite ginger. He's got a bunch of <laughs> stories for us, and it's apparently a bit of a, a bit of a comedian, turns out. Neil Perel. How's being Scottish and being in Scotland? It's great. Being Scottish is tremendous. You know, it fills you with a nice warm sense of superiority over everyone else. Well, what is it about the uh, being Scottish that, that gives you a nice warm feeling of uh, superiority over everyone? I feel like uh, uh, this is investigated. Oh, you mean apart from like the ob- like the obvious genetic advantages, but um, you mean like the other stuff? Um, generally, I mean, if you've seen the documentary movie Braveheart. Um, you'll have seen uh, the hundred um, percent true to life recapturing by the very talented Mel Gibson. I think that would explain it quite succinctly. You know, we're just a very, you know, I believe the term is warrior poets. So, you can warrior poets. That's right. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. It's definitely not some kind of defensive reaction we have to some deep seated inferiority complex. Not, not at all. You kind of live up to that name, I guess you could say. I mean, you've got all the comedy antics that pretty much everyone lacks. And, I mean, I guess playing poker is sort of like being an intellectual warrior of sorts. <laughs> yeah, I guess you could we could loosely get it into it. It's like a noble, you know, noble pursuit. Plus, when you're Scottish and you play a lot in the UK, you are mostly against English people. So, you know, you've got that. So. Yeah, <laughs> that's a fair point. Yeah, it seems like I read you have uh, that there's like some kind of um, a, a dynamic by, between the United Kingdom and uh, and Scot well uh, England I should say and Scotland because uh, I heard in one of your interviews like a lot of the reasons most of the Scottish may be bitter is basically because of England and England just basically <laughs> screws over Scotland like in every single well not I don't, I don't know about every way but like a lot of ways. Um, yeah, that's it's possible that interview was before any of my media training, um, <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I um, think that was young, fiery political Feraldo, who's now mellowing in his old age. But um, no, there's a lot, there's a there's a lot of fun uh, cultural and political stuff. I think you know when you have a, a near neighbour, especially one that was as powerful as as England over the years, there's uh, you get some. Uh, some fun uh, chips on your shoulder and stuff like that, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm I'm a more modern modern man now. You know, I'm a, and I'm getting old, so the fires died down a bit. Now England is a powerful nation, I guess, instead of just an over aggressive, <laughs> over aggressive, greedy, uh, whatever. But uh, yeah, I, it, yeah, I did a little bit more into reading into it as well because you know we we get the we get the Scottish version, but. Turns out we've done a lot of bad shit too, so we need to, we need to, <laughs> we need to, we, we were, we were quite a big part of the British Empire, so we need to, we need to quiet down a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, it's always funny how things work out. Um, but yeah, all, all of is tongue in cheek. I mean, I, I will say that in my uh, fair share of time in uh, England, I have had a lot of bad things happen to me, so. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't blame them on that. I just blame them on, like, variants of life. Like, I've been robbed. I've had my heart broken there. 
Uh, oh, wow. And uh, what else has happened? I've had like a massive downswing. And, uh, <laughs> but I'll still Does that not give you negative connotations now towards England, or are you above that kind of emotional response? Uh, I don't take it personally, you know. Stuff. <laughs> Stuff. <laughs> because happened. I'd be like, that place man like i mean i got i went to france once when i was 18 and i got arrested then flew home the same day and i since then i'm like france i'm never going back and that was like 15 years ago you know oh uh i mean uh i mean it gives me a little bit of i mean it makes me slightly anxious i guess you could say but um i did have something like that happen too i was denied entry once in england as well Uh, (laughs) i didn't get arrested though uh, but he reminded me of that as as well. Um, yeah. I'll go back. It's it's still got positive sides. Powerful nation. It's always fun as well when like you know a country that's invaded every other country on the planet won't let you in. But we you know we won't get into that. So even your career path is kind of funny. It's like you go from school soccer uh, school teacher salesman. And then uh, next law degree is kind of random too. And then poker. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know where you got school teacher. I wasn't a school teacher. I did uh, some like work experience there when I was very young. It's like that was what I was going to be was a teacher. And then I realized I fucking hate kids. Um, no, <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> that's, not, that's not true. For my son watches this. Um, but yeah, no, I did. Um, <laughs> I went to. I found poker at university when I was doing law and I wanted to stop and my mum convinced me to finish it, so I did. But I've never touched it since. I would be genuinely worse than untrained at this point, so it's uh but yeah, I've done a done a lot of a lot of weird shit over the years. Any of uh, the weird shit that any that I'm missing besides uh some of the stories, the drunken stories. <laughs> <laughs> oh, does it I mean there's a few of those. Um, again, getting older now, so they are dying down a bit. But um, yeah, we've had a, you know, of, there's a few. I mean, I'm sure we can get into those. I don't want to drop too many people in anything. But uh, there's been some, uh, you know, some daft stuff. Like, I think it's kind of, when you grow up in Scotland, especially where I kind of grew up, it's not, you don't really see a lot of super, like where I was, it's not very, I was like lower middle class, like working class. So we didn't see a lot of money. And then you give like, a 22 year old Scottish guy a lot of money a, a lot of money in his eyes and uh, you do some really dumb shit with it when you first get it you know but it was fun you know do you want to talk about it? I read one particular <laughs> story alright what what story what, what, which one did you hear before I before I put my foot in it well I well as far as the money is concerned it's uh, well it's your it's your um well, you're on Elky's thing, whereas the sickest poker story, I think it was, <laughs> was what it was. And uh, you got drunk on this like 250k deep stack and uh, apparently blacked out and got eighth place. Is all, is all yeah. this coming back to you? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, coming back to me after it was told to me the day after. Yeah. So for some weird reason, uh, weird reason, weird reason. Uh, when I go to Vegas, I really, really like, I like, basically, I go to work, so I go to play the World Series, which is semi-professional work, like, you know, go and play. But then when I bust out tournaments, I like to play the deep stacks recreationally, which usually involves 
you know, you pay $250, then I try and drink that amount of beer before I bust to make it worthwhile. Um, and yeah, I am generally speaking, like by the end of the summer, when <laughs> the floor people see me like approaching to buy it to like get a seat for the deep stack, they've had like all summer of me coming and drinking and playing these tournaments and they just go, oh, for God's sake, not again. Um, so I go and get my seat. Um, yeah, apparently I got eighth in one. One I was at the final table with one of my friends, and basically what happened was I woke up the next day with not much recollection of what happened after about ten p.m. And I wake up to a Facebook load of Facebook messages that's just saying, um, "Oh, it was nice playing you. Hadn't seen you for a while. I'm unlucky on the in the final table." Blah, blah. And I've got no idea what this is referring to whatsoever. And it, on further investigation, it turns out that I got eighth place. Decided that I didn't want any of the money, just give it to the staff or whatever. I wouldn't even sign for it, apparently. I was like, ah, f that, you keep it, I don't know, blah. And uh, just left. And uh, to be honest, I wonder if they would give me that back now. Um, anyway. Um, and yeah, the only way I got, <laughs> I knew it happened was because I had a big kind of list of like Facebook messages from it. That wasn't actually that long ago, to be honest. That was only maybe two or three years ago. Maybe maybe just before COVID, actually. Um, but yeah, that's kind of, I don't know. I like, I have this kind of philosophy that like, when I'm really enjoying poker the most is when I'm playing like a 100K buy-in tournament or a $100 buy-in tournament. Like everything in between is tedious like like i don't know why like but those two extremes are like when you really enjoy yourself um so it's kind of strange but uh yeah that was a bit of a, <laughs> a, a not not a shameful incident but it was okay you know it was quite funny looking back well that makes sense because the 100k is like for like an exciting amount of money and for a hundred dollars um you can have all the excitement you want and it's not a big deal and nothing really matters yeah, exactly, yeah. Like, it's just those two kind of buying levels for me, it's like, where you get the friend, like, with, in the 100Ks, it's like people you've known for years and, like, interesting guys and stuff. So you just, it's kind of more laid back, chilling out. And $100, it's more kind of chilled out as well. Whereas, like, a 5K main event's more of the, you know, like, robot kind of studio, whatever <laughs> kind of thing. It's more and feels like, more like work than the other two, you know? Yeah, yeah, play all the grinders and the, the 5Ks. You're really serious and try to trying to win all the money, I guess, is what happens. It sounds like Yeah, that. like, yeah, I guess, I mean, it makes sense, I guess, because you have more people that are, you know, you are at work at that point, but uh, just always find it quite quite funny, you know? Yeah, I guess it does, yeah. Oh, by the way, uh, how much money are we talking about? Do you want to say how much this eighth place is? It was a two hundred fifty dollars tournament, so that's like kind of oh real. yeah, 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 two hundred fifty. Yeah, I mean, God, it was like two k or something. It wasn't. Oh. It wasn't a lot of money. <laughs> if it was any more, I'd have been back in after it. I, no shame whatsoever. Like, please, can I have that back? But uh, no, nah, it wasn't. I, well, I think it was like, yeah, it was maybe like a couple k or something. It wasn't. It might have been less, even to be honest. I, to be honest, like. I, I if it was more than that, I would have like probably tried to get it back with no shame. But I think I found out by looking on my hand and mob afterwards, like a week later, it came up, and it wasn't like that much or anything. So I was like, yeah, whatever, that's that's okay. I can I can I can swallow that idiot tax to save my very <laughs> small remaining bit of pride, you know. 
I feel like all my idiot taxes have been uh, in uh, when I've been sober. I felt really stupid doing a lot of things. I've done like so many things that just seemed like really stupid decisions, but not well. Sometimes for big money too. Um, I uh, I mean I've also thrown parties that cost more more money than that. I mean I don't know if you call that idiot tax or not. But even when I like. That's an experience, right? You can write, like, that's not, you know, like, I would say an idiot tax is, like, I go, like, just dumb shit, like, I, I go get a deposit box at the World Series, and then I lose the key on the first day, and it costs me a hundred bucks, like, that's idiot, like, that's just money for completely nothing, you know, uh, for just pure idiocy, but, I, like, I would say, like, a party is, like, it's, that's, a, you know, you know how you see these, like, uh, inspirational quotes on Instagram, like, make memories, a party's a memory. Well, might not be a me you might not remember it, but in general, like things like that are mem. You're making memories. They're priceless. I've read. Yeah, I mean it's it's true. Uh, I mean, there's <laughs> better ways to throw parties as well as I've learned. I've had some things. In one of the parties, for example, I ordered. Uh, I decided to make a very fancy party, and I ordered a bunch of caviar and sushi. And then at the end right. of the night, I, there were a lot of people there too. It wasn't like. You know, I, it was like a lot of sushi. And then at the end of the night, funnily enough, everyone uh, or a bunch of people ordered like this food from uh, like Marouche or like it might have been like straight up McDonald's or something. And I just watched <laughs> all my caviar and uh, <laughs> sushi get thrown away. And I feel like the biggest idiot, like trying to save the caviar. Like, no, don't throw this away. I paid like 500 pounds for this shit. God, yeah. people just scraping caviar on their big macs and shit at the end of the night <laughs> i didn't see any of that yeah. but uh <laughs> yeah that would be that would be pretty brutal in fairness yeah i mean stuff like that's like pretty funny though but like yeah like i could see that you know like <laughs> being quite quite tilting at the time but yeah what uh, uh well if you want to say you don't have to say uh, but what would be your biggest idiot tax in poker or and or out of outside of poker if you want to say it? Is it, is it what we just talked about or is there something else? Um, I've done a couple of times like I've done the classic like drop chips on the casino floor and lose it a lot, you know. So like, you drop a five k chip and stuff like that, where it's like you just literally it was in your pocket because and because you're an idiot, your pocket was quite loose and you lose five k for be, being an idiot. Uh, stuff like that. Um, other stuff, just like I wouldn't say idiot tax for other stuff really. Like I haven't really. I mean, I've done like all the classic poker player stuff, like stuck twenty k in crypto and watched it go to half a million, then watched it go back down again without ever touching it, like fucking moron, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, which I don't know if like is it still idiot tax if everyone you know was also an idiot? Like, does that still count? Actually, you know what's funny is that. Uh, there are some psychologists that determine or suggested that when people get into groups, uh, people actually have the tendency of doing stupid things even more. Um, there's probably some variation on that because there's definitely ex exceptions. There's plenty of people that have gone mad by themselves. Uh, but there is such a thing as like mass hysteria. If you look it up, there's all kinds of like ridiculous stupid things people have done. And people do stupid shit all the time. Even today, there's lots of in my opinion, there's lots of stupid things people do. <laughs> there's definitely there's definitely a lot of stupid things going on, yeah. They have like yeah. kind of lemming effect as well, where if you see someone doing it, you're just like, yeah, I can do that. You follow it and you just kind of <laughs> all fall off the cliff kind of thing. Um, yeah, but yeah I mean, that guy. <laughs> I think 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there is a kind of thing as well where I think if it's a group thing, you let your guard down a bit as well. So, I remember they did this experiment where it was like they were just told to like I think it was someone where they were told to push a button and it would hurt someone in the next room or something, and people wouldn't do it. But then once they seen like four or five people fake do it, they were just happy to do it because everyone else had done it, you know. And it was like a really weird psychological thing where you're kind of more in you're like. I don't know if it's something to do with the social nature of humans or whatever, but it's like you're more likely to follow once you've seen someone else do it. But um, yeah, I mean, there's definitely a lot of individual dumb shit as well. Like, don't get me wrong. Um, yeah. So there's all sorts of like cults, you know, that are beyond insane. Like, there's. I remember actually, I almost joined a cult. By the way, uh, right. or I did unknowingly. It was called uh, Dawn. Dao Yoga, Don Yoga, no, Don Yoga, D-H-N, D-A-H-N, and they had me do, like, a number of crazy exercises. I was like, okay, it's yoga, like, whatever. But it turns out it wasn't yoga, and the real, uh, and I was actually pretty wise about this. The real tipping point for this was when, um, well, first of all, this guy goes to me and says, okay, okay, Dandonim, it's time for you to take advanced classes in Don Yoga. I think you're ready. Um, and he charged me one amount. Um, and then I like meet, talked with someone. He charged me like $10,000 or something. And then I meet someone and they're like, oh, uh, actually it's $100,000. And I'm like, what? Like, why is it, why did the price just jump massive? <laughs> and that's when I started Googling and I read about like this dude who's like the inventor of Don Yoga and he's got like sexual assaults and he's like <laughs> God complex and everyone's like, holding their breath underwater as long as they can and like gasping for breath and and like in these like weird cult retreats and all this shit and I'm like oh okay and it's apparently not yoga by the way don don is not a version of yoga um and that's when uh yeah that's when it was out of it so i did not join a cult i got out of it because the guy wanted 100k for me his logic being oh like you know you make this much money and <laughs> How works. did that work though? Was it like yoga to start with? Like they just had you in like in the yoga poses and then they'd be like, by well, the way, we need a hundred grand. Or, the like, first thing like, they had me do was this pose that you hold as long as you can. You hold basically your legs up in the air. I don't know if you've ever done that for 30 minutes, but um, like the first time I did it for 12 minutes and if I held it for 15, he would have given me a hundred dollars. Uh, <laughs> it got easier. Uh, it was very painful. And then I had to hold this pose for a very long time, too. I mean, there's maybe something good about it. Like, I think basically that many of these cults have something good in them. But, yeah, like, that wasn't really the warning sign. Like, I thought, oh, this is yoga, you know? It's yoga. Um, yo, yo, yoga, but they give you 100 bucks every now and then. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's very compelling. He's very charismatic, I'll tell you that. Think, me yeah, to be a good cult leader, you have to be quite charismatic, right? Like, no one wants to follow a fucking wooden cult leader. You want to follow the fucking, the, the guy that's going to take you up Hollywood Hills and all that, all that kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. Uh, well, you want to, I mean, you, they need to truly believe what they think. Like, that's, that's one of the basis of this kind of charisma, I think. But I think this goes back to why people follow so much is because... I mean, this is what I think. It's just basically no one knows what the f is going on, right? Like, like whatever. Who knows what this button does? But <laughs> if everyone else is pushing it, it can't be that bad. 
it's like kind of good logic. Like, what is going on? Um, so, I mean, I think that's the reason why all this mass hysteria happened because no one really knows. And yeah, know, I could see that. I, one thing I've noticed as I kind of slowly, and if I say so myself, gracefully grow older is that that's true. There's there's like I think there's maybe three people on the planet that have any idea about what they're doing and what's going on and i haven't met any of them yet um and it is it's just that everywhere you go it's just like a massive room of people going i don't know <laughs> like with every single industry arts everything it's just everyone's just like i mean i just had it's a kind of mundane story but my roof started leaking like four months ago and i was just phoning every company trying to go like i would like to give you money to fix my roof and it took me four months of people going, yeah, we'll come and have a look at it. Then they'd look at it and then they'd do something. And I was like, okay, did I give you money now? They're like, no, see how it goes. And it would start leaking again. Then I would phone them off, they were busy. Four <laughs> months it took. Like, eventually someone came and then I was like, yeah. It's, they're like, oh yeah, yeah, it's going to take maybe two days and it'll cost like a thousand. I'm like, okay. And then they fixed it. I gave them the money. I'm like, that's what I mean. That took me four months. I'm like, it's just a little thing and everything I'm trying to deal with. I'm doing some fun stuff with tax shit now, which I've been managed to avoid for many years by living in Scotland and being just a poker player. But with GG sponsorship deal now, I have to do taxes and like just trying to. To be ages, I'd eventually get a proper accountant or whatever. But just trying to speak to anyone, no idea. No one has any idea. It's just the whole world's just full of people, but I don't know. And some of us are just more vocal about it than others. I think. I guess you could say that. I would say that you probably know a thing or two about poker. You seem to have had some success at it. And uh, Yeah, I guess poker, like, poker yeah. Bro. I know a little bit about that, I guess, yeah. <laughs> Just <laughs> other stuff to be a functioning adult, not not so great. But, you know, cards. I can, I can you know, I can do some card stuff. That's that's not bad. I, I read that uh, you didn't have to try that hard to win at poker. Is that true? Is there something you attribute your success to? Um... It's true to an extent, I would say, yeah. Um, I, I've been, I'm quite lucky in that with everything that I've done, especially like academically and stuff. It's a classic, like, small town, top of the class kid, you know, he's like, I was, everything always, I was always like kind of top of class and it was always, everything came quite easy to me. But then as you venture out into bigger and bigger fields, you know, being the, being the smartest person in a 30 person class and now the class, now the class is, hundred thousand poker players you don't you know there's guys there that are more naturally intelligent than you and are working harder which is a tough combination to beat you know um but like at the start i mean I, i've always ever played tournaments and when i started it was 2009 ish 2008 2009 probably 2000 i started playing 2009 maybe professional 2010 and 11 and back then it was just poker was just a kind of semi especially tournaments it was just a a game of intuition and small logic problems there wasn't you know it wasn't uh, widespread use of solvers there wasn't anything like that it was all under mostly it was understanding some like math but mostly human behavior like how people like uh, when i talked to like the, the this generation of kids the solver kids that are coming through like 18 19 year old they just like blows their mind like some terms like we used to have a th this, this is the one that always gets me, and I remember talking about it, was we used to have a term in tournament poker in 2010, and we just opened, like, it, we'd always spot picks of, like, right, with how the table's going, well, I'm going to open jack-five offsuit under the gun here, and I'm opening it to four. And it's like, you're doing what? 
It's like, well, I know this guy's going to 3-bet me, so I'm opening this hand to 4-bet him when it happens. And then when it does it, like the guy would 3-bet you, and you're like, you, I've opened to 4, so here comes the 4-bet. And that was just poker. It was just f***ing nonsense. Like, just constant, like, battling with that. And part of me misses that, because I was really fucking good at that. But, <laughs> um, uh, but um, it was obviously a very unrefined time. It was more kind of the Wild West kind of times where it was just anything kind of goes and people didn't really understand the actual mechanics of the game to the extent they do now. Um, so that kind of moment, I was quite lucky because um, it, it did just come kind of naturally. But like without being full modest, the stuff that came naturally wasn't of a particularly high level. You know, the competition wasn't amazingly tough, you know, so it's not... You know, yeah, you weren't fucking you. Yeah, you you weren't doing something particularly complicated, but um, but generally, yeah. But it does come with a detriment as well, where it does hurt your work ethic a lot. Like, I I I'm really forcing myself to work harder now, um, especially because I just took like a two year break essentially, um, and you just can't really get away with it now. Like, you can't just show up anymore. Um, so it's kind of and it's tough trying to instill a work ethic that you've not had your whole life, <laughs> like trying to force it at this late stage. But we're getting there. Yeah, it's like one of those. Uh, I've read. Um, I mean, for one thing, I totally agree that now you cannot just slack it and win. I mean, you if you find the right opportunities, maybe, but you can. Yeah. If you're playing in competitive environments, you have to work at it, no matter how smart you are. And I mean, like even so, there's still. Like quite a bit of um, what's the word uh, credit to be due if you do manage to win when everyone doesn't really know what's going on. That means like you knew what was going on relatively. Relative, you were the guy that knew what was going on. Yeah, so, I guess so. Yeah, like yeah, when you kind of yeah, when everyone was when everyone was two out of ten at the game, you were four out of ten, and that was enough to be king at that point. You know, it's enough. Yeah, but it's yeah. all relative, right? It doesn't really. Like, it doesn't matter if you, like, were, like, could have been way better, really. Like, why does it matter? Um, it's a hard thing for me to wrap my head around, but that that is the truth. Sometimes it messes with my head. My per sense of perfection messes with me. Um, but it's, I think it's all really relative at the end of the day. Uh, it's like, it doesn't matter to be extraordinary according to some, some abstract metric. Well, maybe it does. Uh, I'll think about that one more. Oh, I remember reading that that uh, it's a funny dynamic that happens is when you have so much innate talent or even intelligence, you can, um, funny thing can happen, especially uh, to kids in school. Uh, the, the kids that often had so much intelligence at some point fall behind when things get too difficult because they, they haven't built up that work ethic. Uh, which I guess is like this funny like duality of like having like I've read this about like really uh, what's the word uh, I want to say uh, prodigious uh, I don't know if that's the right word but really like super intelligent kids maybe you fell a little bit in that category where you have this this very high intelligence and then um, at some point possibly you know, I would, yeah I mean I wouldn't say I was like super 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 high intelligence I think with poker I think I had a relative high like EQ, like I could understand basically from just simple things like understanding how certain circumstances or certain boards and stuff are like doing certain things made me feel 
and I was able to uh, extrapolate it onto other people's tendencies a lot more. So I was able to understand what to make like really big because obviously tournament poker at that time was just who exploits the most and which a lot of poker still is, but back then it was just purely that almost and under like I had a really good understanding of what even like good players where they would veer hmm. off wildly. And I don't know if that's I think that's maybe just a very lucky natural thing where you can kinda get that, but it was really obviously very handy when at yeah. the time when the poker was just all that stuff. Um uh, for sure. The stuff you're saying though about the, the workout stuff's true and there's, there's another small side effect I think as well, um, that I've kinda read about which is with that kind of, if you have kind of quite a, a decent innate talent, you it does give you a bit of an ego, but also it stops you trying a lot of new things because you just assume you'd be really good at them. And then you have this kind of subconscious fear of failure. So you don't want to do it in case, oh, maybe I'm not this fucking talented person that, you know, natural talent. That, so you don't want to have the chance to prove yourself wrong. So you kind of struggle with a... Uh, I know, I think it was actually Phil Galfond that wrote about this kind of thing, where he said he had this kind of, I think it was a time when he stopped, he had this kind of break in his competition where he, he didn't play the super high stakes anymore, and that, but I think it was before the Galfond challenge or whatever, and he had this kind of thing where he said it's like, when you assume like, you don't want to prove yourself wrong that you, you couldn't be up there or anymore or whatever, stuff like that, and you have to really push yourself to go over it, but I thought it was quite interesting. Huh. Yeah, I mean, I guess I could see, like, kind of weird psychological fears trying up. I've had, I've had a few of those, uh, I guess you could say, complexes. That one I did not have, personally, but um, <laughs> I guess I could see something like that. I think I could, I've had other ones of sorts. Uh, huh, one of the weird downsides of having some kind of talent. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, it's such a niche one as well, you know I mean? It's like, you just forget, like... It's poker such a weird world as well. Like I'm just back from I did some uh, there was a live tournament thing down in Nottingham the GG ran so I was down that, and you go in and like your uh, posters on the wall and it's like everyone's like oh you guy with the poster blah 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 and you're like super like well known and famous in this zero point zero 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 one percent of the world that no one else really knows about. Like if you soon as you walk out that building, no one fucking who you are, what you did, anything like that. And it's just a really strange, like, uh, a very strange uh, niche to be in, you know? It's like, I remember when I was younger, I used to always say it was like, I've managed to, like, because obviously when you're, like, young, single, stuff like that, you you know, having status or having being well-known is a very big thing if you're trying to, you know, go out and speak to ladies, all that kind of thing. And we used to always joke, it was like, yeah, we've picked f***ing one of the industries in the world where the demographic is middle-aged men almost exclusively that know who you are. It's absolutely <laughs> worthless everywhere else. But it's so true as well, though. It's like, oh, yeah, it's like I had a couple of folk ask me for photos today and stuff. Oh, did you? Yeah, who was it? It was like, yeah, it was Bob from Arkansas. It was, you know, it's all these guys, like, 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 completely exclusively, which is pretty funny. So have you not met a, I've heard, I read, I heard uh, you're pretty good with the ladies. I heard you get all the girls. Uh, and I mean, I'm sure like there's been, has there never been like a girl from poker that's like come, in, come up and talk to you? That kind of no, thing. I'm, I'm, happy, 
happily coupled, great basically married. I have uh, oh, yeah, yeah. my girlfriend, my girlfriend Edita, I met, she, um, I actually met through um, poker, uh, she was working with the party poker uh, Bahamas tournament uh, on registrations, and I, I actually had to re-enter the 10k three times, so it was kind of a, a, an easy way to go in, I'm like, oh, we've, it's like I've spent $40,000 just so I can come over and talk to you, you know, like, uh, and she, uh, she actually remember, uh, she got, <laughs> she's great, like, she's fantastic, and she's a great mom, and she's so, so perfect for me, she puts up with all my shit, which is really important, but uh, I remember the moment that I realised that this is this is the girl that I, that was for me, was um, I was behind Steve O'Dwyer in the line, and Steve was registering for the 25k for the sixth bullet, and upon registering, and she meant this so earnestly, and it wasn't a needle at all, but it was so perfect because it wasn't a needle. She just looks at him and goes, six time lucky, Steve, and gives him his, <laughs> gives him his ticket and sends him off to the table. I just thought that was so perfect. Um, but you do, you meet a lot, you know, with the poker stuff. You you know, it's, especially on the live tournament tour, you'll probably know this yourself, that the, the players and, like, a lot of my good friends now are people I met that work on the tour, like TDs, dealers, all that kind of stuff. But the deal, the, especially dealers, tend to be this kind of young, adventurous demographic. You know, like the girls and the and the guys both. Um, and you do get this kind of holiday camp feel to each stop at that kind of point. And there's obviously, you know, if you're mid twenties, there's a room full of mid twenties girls and guys. There's obviously going to be a lot of liaisons so to speak especially because you're already grouped by having similar interests already you know like traveling and all this kind of stuff so you're 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 basically on a holiday camp with people that are like-minded already so it's very common that you get a lot but i mean you'll find in poker like if a lot of most of my friends have girlfriends that are from from poker one side or another either playing or massage uh, the massage staff or the dealing staff or TT staff and stuff and it's just a kind of a really organic thing I think to be honest because it's, it's just you know it's a lot of people with the same interests and you go to the same places and it can be quite hard to have a, a relationship outside of poker with all the traveling and stuff you know yeah I mean it is there's a number of oddities that exist within poker that Maybe difficult for the normal person to understand, but since people are already in it, perhaps they can. It's more understandable um, for like them, and especially for women, where you know, they tend to be a bit more. What's the word? Um, careful now. Yeah, careful. <laughs> I think. Um, yeah, I, yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I've had girlfriends outside of poker during poker. Um, and it's tough with all the traveling and stuff, but like with Edita, my, my girlfriend, now we, we had a period where all we did was she was freelance, so she was just traveling to work all the stops, so I just went to all the stops, and we just, it was basically like we were on holiday for a year together, you know, it was great. Um, whereas you can't really get that if someone has like a real job or whatever in, in the real world, you know, outside of the poker bubble. Um, so it is quite, it can be quite stressful, but... Uh, I really want to know where you're getting your info on this as well, because I feel like someone's dropping me in this as well outside. Dropping you in this? 
Yeah, it's like, oh, I hear you're quite good with the ladies. I'm like, uh, I don't know if the ladies would say that, but that was from your interview with the uh, um, interview with between you and another Scottish player. Oh, Ludo, yeah, yeah, but that's a relative interview against Ludo. I mean, God, oh, I think uh... yeah, dude, is that is that what you're saying? <laughs> Ludo, Ludo, Ludo is the worst of the women in the world. He's a good-looking guy, and he's very affable, and he's very funny and intelligent, good at what he does. But he just melts in the face of a woman. So it was a very, very, very relative term for sure. Uh, okay. Well, uh, <laughs> I don't know what to say. Very much that. You know, one, th one funny thing about poker is though it appears to be like a bit of a, uh, a not a bit of a strange job. It ironically has many positive sides to it that I would think a lot of people would would appreciate. It's one of these things where everyone does you know the other thing does the thing that everyone d tells them to do, but then when an actually good opportunity comes along, people. Uh, don't take it because they generally rely on what other people do versus their own discretion. Um, and if you think about it, well, I mean, poker, I, I will say it's a difficult one just because it's really hard to assess how likely you will actually succeed and to what extent you will succeed, but you will get to travel 100%. Um, I mean, I think it's, it depends on the person, but it can be a pretty good career path for um, if someone's good enough at games and if they just happen to have a passion for it and really good enough, like it is a pretty good life in comparison to a lot of nine to fives. Uh, from what I understand, I, I was actually curious to take a nine to five just to remind myself what, what it's like to <laughs> like, an, uh, 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 but I'm just that kind of guy. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it just attracts a lot of, uh, black sheep is, is what, uh, Oh, absolutely for sure. And that's why I think it's like, I don't think it's like anything else in the world because I don't think you could meet the characters that are in this game in any other walk of life, really. You know, like maybe in like other gambling things, but not like there's just there's so many things I've noticed that are like insanely like funny to me that we all kind of follow the same thing. Like the one, the big one in the UK is where you don't get fed a driver's license immediately is hardly any of the UK pros can drive. And it's all the same thing. I don't know why it is. I think I think it's mostly laziness, and it is that kind of thing. But it's just a very like that kind of thing is really kind of strange. Um, but there's also like a lot of the same interests and stuff. Like it is a very kind of defined. Although there's obviously outliers and stuff and different people, there is a lot of kind of. It's not for everyone, but the people that do get into it tend to be very interesting one way or another. You know. The very the eccentricities are very interesting to me, you know. I, I found that to be kind of true. I mean, I think there's a lot of people that are obsessed with poker, and that that's their own thing. Um, I mean, well, uh, why don't you talk to tell us a bit more about your interests? I know that you're very interested into, into uh, football, is what I read, or soccer. Yeah, or... yeah, um, yeah. Love my football. Used to play to a, a good level. Uh, which always blows everyone's mind because before poker, before poker I was in shape and I don't think I've been in any good shape at all in my entire poker career. Uh, so it's always fun trying to, we've had some fun prop bets over the years of like trying to run, uh, like having races in hotel corridors and stuff like that where uh, 
<laughs> like 4 a.m. in the middle of fucking, I think we were at Thunder Valley in California. And you've got, you've got you know, all the American jocks. And I, in my head, I can still run fast, but my body's very much disagreeing. Uh, so we've got all these like kind of races going up and down the corridor. I remember uh, getting, it was actually Ludo again. I was telling him I could, even now I could still beat him in a race. We'll, we'll do a race around the hotel. Sounds like a bad route. Yeah, so we're, we get up here, we've got, um, God, it was such a weird crew as well. It was me, Ludo, I think it was Reiner Kempe, Kyle Julius. Just a very eclectic ragtag bunch that had ended up at this WPT stop. And I think I bet I bet Ludo $500 that I could beat him in a race. We ran down and we go all the way around the ground. So it was like a two-mile race and then back up to the hotel room. And... We get like so we get down like on our hand like you know like the the racing start like that, and we go three two one and I stand up and he just sprints off, and the the rest of the guys are just kind of looking at me and then I just get five hundred dollars out and give it to K Joe's and give that to Ludo when he gets back and go in my room. <laughs> so I just sent him off on this two mile run around the casino for no reason, but um, yeah it's like. The football stuff I love, like it's, Scotland's a very fo- big football country and it's very uh, fanatical. So you'll find me a lot of the times. Like I've done. I mean, you're talking about like idiot tax and stuff. I've done some incredibly dumb shit. Like especially when you're in the middle of a big heater where you think money's just gonna constantly replenish. You're like, well, you know, it's gonna obviously I'm just gonna keep winning every day for the rest of my life. So why should I save any money? So I'd like register. A, I remember playing a two K side in Prague and then I realised I wanted to watch a football game so I just uh, just kept going all in to build up a big stack and then just left the stack for the day and went and watched the football and came back to like six big blinds on day two oh, and busted wow. or what just dumb shit like that you know but when you're young and it seems it's like really funny at the time but you know looking back you're like that's probably pretty stupid but um, no it's a big big thing uh, I'm really into my football um, I always you'll find me if I if I have to play poker during a big game it's I'll be on my on my phone watching it and stuff like that you know it's it's very very important cultural aspect of Scotland football okay it's good to know I didn't know I guess I knew in the UK it was a good big big cultural thing put on a football game that'll be my strategy is to put like oh guys you guys pay attention to the football when it's Scotland yeah exactly there's a big game on you know there's uh there was there was a big there was a big game on and down at um when I was down at the, the GG UK festival a couple of weeks ago, um, so it's a 500 main, so it's like, you know, it's fun to play stuff, but it's like, I, I could really do with being a bit able to watch this football game. So I'm, the whole time I'm sitting there, I'm like, I'm going to play properly in a grip, but I'm, but I'm also like, I'm not going to be making any hero folds, you know, I'm kind of hoping just to get a massive flip so I could either have loads of chips or I can go see the game. And I got dealt queens and uh, like 100 bigs deep and... Uh, my opponent had my opponent like tighter guy squeezed me and in my head i'm like oh my god i'm gonna get to see the game this is incredible and it's not a punt because it's like it's technically okay to get queens in here and i'm like loving it and he had kings and i'm like oh no and he's like oh he's like loving it and i'm like oh good game man good game all right off to the pub let's go see the game <laughs> you know <laughs> which is pretty handy but yeah it's a big a big coach like if there's a big game going on you can you can target some of the uk guys for sure they'll have their mind elsewhere <laughs> It's such a funny thing. I mean, I guess it's a it's an exploitative uh, population exploit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, you have country reads. This is a great country. Just check the football schedule. You know, it's a great country. Stanford in the UK. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
never done that one. Uh, but I have, well, I, I don't really punt when I want to lose. I just, like, kind of hope that I want get some coolers of bad beat and, like, play at least mostly serious. Yeah, I, I'm the same. I'm the same. I don't have it in me to pure punt at all, even if it's, like, some daft tournament I'm in. But I have that, like, I remember playing Scoop in, in Vancouver, and I did day two of, uh, and, but there was still, it was, like, one of the lower buy-ins, um, so there was still, like, 300 people left or something. And mm-hmm. we, we went out to for a nice meal and we had a lot of drinks the night before. And then I realised that the, the day two was restarting at 7am because I late regged it the day before at like 10 when we woke up. So day two is restarting at 7am. My alarm goes off. I'm hungover as shit at like 6.45am lying in my bed. I just get the laptop up. And I'm like, I've got 28 big blinds in this day two. And I'm like, I know I won't punt it, but I'm like, in the first hand, I get sevens in against ace king, and I'm just in it. I hit a king, and I woke up my roommate celebrating that I was out, <laughs> so I could go back to bed. I was like, "Yes!" He's like, "What the fuck was that?" I'm like, oh, it's, I just I lost that flip the very first hand. I can go back to bed now." And he's like, "Okay, I see." Yeah, it's always nice when you get out when you want to, or the game ends appropriately <laughs> when you want to. I wanna I wanna Absolutely. ask about a couple other uh, sort of events um well not i don't i, I guess they don't qualify as idiot taxes well one is an idiot tax but i have uh idiot tax yeah idiot fun stuff fun stuff let's put it that way right uh okay well one is uh you had a 15k watch and then lost it at a stripper's <laughs> party is this what happened yeah so um for my like i'd always wanted a nice watch and for my first big score i bought uh Jacobs and Co, um, which was obviously you know classic, whatever got the Jakeys on. It was that era, we were loving it, <laughs> uh, and uh, I f-ing loved that watch as well. And yeah, we uh, I think it was in some horrific English town as well. It wasn't even like a Vegas stripper. It was like fucking Stoke or some like incredibly grey, horrible, nonsense English town. We ended up back at this. And it sounds like a stripper's party, like you're imagining like the strippers at the Rhino, like it's all glamorous and all this. This is like someone's one bedroom apartment with like a little speaker playing music and everyone far too drunk. Like it's the most depressing scene you've ever got in the world. Yeah. And I've somehow left without, I'm not ruling out that it was finessed off me, to be honest. But um, yeah, and but back then it was... Uh, you know, this was like when you were still the start of like you know the heater or whatever, and you felt like money fell on trees or whatever. So like instead of going back to look for it, I just, I just didn't, I just couldn't go back to that place, hungover or sober. So I just wrote it off and just didn't even go and look for it or anything. And just I was like, well, that's you know a very expensive lesson to not go to a stripper's house in Stoke. Um, and it's a lesson that to this day, I mean, I've never Good been. I've never, yeah, I mean, you know, I was maybe eight years ago, so like, we'll call it 2k a year well spent, I would say. I've had a, I've had sort of something similar happen, by the way, uh, except it was my own house. Uh, <laughs> right, okay. It was not a stripper as far as I'm aware, but you we were having people over at my own house, and people were actually watching my watch, but they were caught a bit off guard and we had and I don't know I just wasn't thinking about it that much for some reason 
Um, uh, I can tell you one of the reasons why was because apparently this um, this girl who who liked me uh, she she's a bit of a strange girl, but she's like apparently connected to high society or something. But she said that she had this like very she gave me as a present this blackboard uh, how do you say blackjack a table and she she was like trying to get me to play black or not blackjack uh, backgammon that's what it was backgammon right, table. Right. and she was trying to get me to play backgammon with her um and uh but she said that this this backgammon table was from this very famous person one of the most famous uh biggest black backgammon players in the world that the last one sold for like five hundred thousand dollars and i'm like holy wow. shit like uh i think i better put this thing away and I'm just thinking about this blackjack backgammon table this entire time. And I didn't realize, like, I've got, like, I had a watch, but it was, like, it was, it was, uh, it was a nice watch. It was, like, a Rolex or something that a friend gave me um, as a present. And I totally forgot about it, right? Um, I'm just thinking of this, this, this black, the backgammon table that's worth 500,000 pounds. And I'm thinking, shit, I need to hide this thing in case someone steals it. Uh, so I, like, hit it. Like in this, like somewhere really secretive in my room, and no one could find it. And then I like got a lockbox and put it in there. It's like, okay, this thing needs to get appraised to see how much it's actually worth. Um, turns out it's not worth any money at all. Like maximum, like five hundred, <laughs> like or something, or like whatever. I feel like massive idiot. I spent like more on the lockbox than on this actual thing. And this is when I was renting out a nice house and all that too. Um, it was a bit bigger, and I was throwing parties in the UK. Um, this is how I got robbed. And so, of course, I forgot, then I realized, wait, where's my watch? Um, as I'm, like, trying to take this thing to this, as I'm bringing this thing back from the store, and, and now my watch is gone, because I wasn't thinking about a watch at all. Stuck thinking about this, um, this stupid, uh, <laughs> the time I invite got my table. <laughs> I don't think that I don't think that girl stole it. I think someone else stole it, and I just wasn't paying attention at some point in time. But it was like, oh, was it like during during a party, maybe an oppor opportunistic moment or something? Yeah, uh, I think we were just focused on other things, and then uh, just someone, uh, one of my friends, forgot to watch it and watch the watch, and that was it, basically. <laughs> uh, so well, that's. How I bet I'm... you've never had that happen again, though. Huh? I bet that's only happened. I bet it's only happened once. It's only happened once, yeah. Partly because I also yeah. don't want to have a watch, and I don't want someone to steal it off me. I mean, it's a massive target sign. You're like walking yeah. down the street, and I like it. For sure, yeah. I've ever since that day for me, I, I said I would never buy myself. I don't. My my rationale is I don't deserve a nice watch because I can't look after them. So I know I don't. I won't get myself one anymore. I have to. I have to be punished for more time. Uh, if you want to look at it that way, sure. I <laughs> It takes it takes some looking after for sure. You have to make sure you're not wearing it with the wrong crowd. And I don't I don't know I don't really get it that much. Like I don't I, don't, I mean it, it can be good investments as it turns out, but um, not if you know, yeah you can chance that there's that or you get robbed. Yeah, it's one of those things. It's like you get again. It's a I'm I'm just gonna blame it. I'm disassociating all the dumb shit I didn't know I was younger as if it wasn't even me. So I'm like younger me is like. Yeah, you know, I was like, oh, it's a status symbol, blah, blah. It's like, so you, you wear it to show off, like, you, you have some money, and then you're surprised when some f***ing steals it, you know? It's like, well, that's the whole point was to attract attention, and you did, well done, someone f***ing took it. Um, so, yeah, 
I can see like I just I, it, something's that small and expensive is not it's not something I should be trusting myself with put it with my person and my penchant for sometimes ending up places I shouldn't you know <laughs> uh, well I was a bit careless myself I mean it's easy to be careless when you don't like get drunk and produce stupid things uh, exactly there's there's one more story that you you've done that I uh, kind of that uh, it's I don't know if it's you could say it's it's uh, seems kind of a clever sort of ruse of sorts uh, or okay. a very difficult thing to do quite some some finesse of sorts I would say uh, have you do you remember the story of when you're in Montreal and you somehow spoke up, <laughs> well, you spoke that you, you you convinced someone that you're a reality. TV star somehow. Yeah. <laughs> I do remember this. Yeah, this was um, God. This was a while back. There's there's some that trip had so many good stories. Actually, that was a great trip. Um, this was a uh, this all started with me and a buddy of mine, Danny. We're sitting. We'd both busted the WPT. We couldn't get in anymore. We'd done the maximum bullets. So we're sat in the the bar at the playground, uh, big Kanawaki, having a, a few beers. And then we see Mike, um, the the late great Mike Sexton, walks into the bar with like five Royal Flush girls, and we've had a few at this point. So Danny just goes, "Hey, Mike, Mike!" And Mike Sexton looks over and he just goes, "Hey, Mike, come and drink with us." And <laughs> to his eternal credit, Mike just goes like this, looks at his watch, and goes, "Yeah, all right," <laughs> and just brings everyone over. So we end up drinking there for a few hours. Um, and there's a couple of girls at the bar, and obviously me being my well lubricated and overconfident self, I got then start talking to them, and essentially, so I did the classic again. I'm disassociating myself from this. This is like a long time ago. This is young Daph Feraldo, but I go up and uh, I said something along the lines of, oh, "Hey, do you, you want some shots?" And we said we had some shots, and she's like, "Oh, I'm I'm Kayla. Nice to meet you." Um, and I'm like, oh, cool! It's nice to meet you. And she's like, oh, what, what's your name? And I'm like, oh, you don't, you don't, you don't know who I am. And she's like, should I? And I was like, oh no, I just love it in Canada where I can just be myself. It's not like back home, you know. I can just come out here, relax, and no, you know, no one's really asking who I am. And I just talking loads of shit, you know. And she's like, oh, what, what do you mean? I was like, oh yeah, um, I was on a reality TV show in Scotland, blah blah blah. So we, again, I'm just talking like I, I talk a lot of nonsense because I find it hilarious in a very immature way. And um, so we get talking forever, and we, we have a few drinks, blah, blah, blah. And then in a shocking turn of events, I black out. Wake up in the morning, and I have this, like, uh, massive Facebook message saying, oh, it's the... She turns out she was actually the singer from... She was playing her out al- premiering her album or something. And she's like, oh, it's the singer from last night. Um, it was really nice to meet you, so on and so forth. I actually host a radio show in Montreal, and we'd like to have you on as a, a celebrity guest for someone who's, uh, you know... We've not, we've not had any Scottish reality TV stars, and I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> but obviously, I show all the friends I'm staying with, and they're like, well, you fucking have to do it now. Like, you can't not do it. So I end up, yeah. So I ended up going on Montreal, and I did on Rock FM in Montreal, and I did a 90 minute interview as as a reality TV star. <laughs> And I thought, like, my friends heard it, they thought it was hilarious, and I thought I'd buried it, and my f***ing brother found it and put it on my Facebook for all my friends back home to hear it, so now I've never heard the end of it. But it was a 90-minute interview of me having to explain, yeah, I was like, yeah, no, it's tough, like, you walk in the streets and people asking for pictures, wanting autographs and stuff, 
And part of me was like, there's no way you believe this. Like, it's no chance. Come on. But I guess, you know, it went out like that. But it was... Yeah, it was, I still have the old Facebook DMs, actually, because I have to show people with that story because, you know, it sounds like a bullshit story. But, um, yeah, no, she's actually... Um, a really nice girl as well still have her on facebook she's married now lives in the uk now all this kind of stuff um but yeah that was um a good a good kind of anecdote of something that could happen if you went out for a few drinks with you know 20 2015 for aldo that's the kind of dumb shit you could end up doing it was kind of fun you know it sounds kind of fun i've uh, done smaller versions of that i've uh i've made a whole backstory about jungle man i've never gone on like an interview and pretended to be a reality show or anything or be a, be a reality star it takes i mean i think for a whole 90 minutes to make up all that backstory it would be tough like did you not make up um you know like how you rose to fame they must have asked you these questions they must have asked you the kind of yeah questions. are you i are mean are you a real poker pro like yeah no so <laughs> i was trying to leave this bit out but fuck it i'll put it in um <laughs> it was um obviously i was hitting on her so she asked me oh like why are you so famous for this reality show and i said i was the first person to receive oral sex on live tv in the uk <laughs> uh, <laughs> and she's like oh my god i'm like yeah yeah i know yeah yeah, yeah. But, um, but for the 90 minute interview, I kind of had to freestyle it. So I was just kind of, I had a couple of beers before I went. Um, <laughs> I was kind of just playing it by ear. But um, yeah, that was, <laughs> for some reason though, like when you had a few drinks, you, your brain thinks that's hilarious, but then you have to deal with it the next day. But um, no, that was, so I did, yeah, it was 90 minutes. It was like, cause I thought as well, I thought it was just like, 15 minutes or something you know and then i'm getting grilled on this kind of celebrity culture and all this stuff and i'm like yeah it's you know it's terrible <laughs> i fucking no idea i'm like yeah yeah sure yeah it's awful yeah um but yeah it was um oh, it's a good story you know and it was like kind of funny um <laughs> it's like the stuff you do when you've had a few drinks that you think's hilarious and then looking back it's like okay it was funny but you know, why do you put yourself in these spots? But, um, yeah, stuff like that, I don't know. I just find it really funny. Like, see, when I'm playing, like, deep stacks and stuff, I used to just make up backstories and stuff. Like, oh, what do you do? I'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm the world cheese rolling champion. Like, you're the what? It's like, you know that where you roll a wheel of cheese down a hill and you chase it? It's like a really <laughs> obscure, like, English sport. I'm like, I'd tell people I was the world champion of that and shit like that, just for no reason either, you know? Like, almost, like, pathological, like, stuff, you know? Just, like... I would never tell anyone anything truthful about me because I just thought it was funnier to make shit up. I don't know. Well, it often is, uh, actually. Um, that's the funny thing is, it is in many, uh, well, in certain cultures of the world, uh, it tends to be more of a positive thing because people have begun, gotten so, I guess you could say, have, have so many luxuries uh, where they've got all their needs met or they're like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? Especially in first world America, at least this is my psychoanalysis as a poker player, is that, um, you know, when you talk to girls in first world America, it's a little bit different in other places. Uh, and uh, it's just, uh, it, I mean, many people are essentially bored. They don't really have entertainment of some sorts. And um, yeah, I mean, it, it's like some kind of fun, like obviously the cheese rolling champion thing is really, 
unlikely to be true. Um, like an element of that is, is a positive thing. It's good to be a little bit unpredictable in some ways, especially these, especially when, um, I mean, I think it's fun. Uh, it's harmless. As long as it's hard. Yeah, no, no one's getting hurt, you know. And that, by the way, those are the best ones. The ones that are the least likely to be true, but they can't disprove. Because it's just, that is, that's the line you like. You want to just make it so almost 99% chance that this cannot be correct. But that 1%, you just, if you can nail that 1%, it's just beautiful. All right, I'll, I'll keep that in mind in case <laughs> I make up any more backstories of where my nickname comes from. <laughs> The current one, in case anyone has heard it, is that I, my parents were from Costa, went to Costa Rica, and I like legit was raised to the monkeys <laughs> in the jungle. See, that's like that's a, that's probably a one percenter. Like that's almost impossible, but it could be true. Like it's not. It, it's. It's almost impossible, but it's not. In, it is not in itself impossible. It could have happened. It's just incredibly unlikely. So that's the, that's the sweet spot right there. I like that one. Uh, yeah, people actually believe it. By the way, they uh, <laughs> they tend to believe it. They're like they, they're listening, and they they seem like they're really into it. Um, they seem like uh, yeah, they seem like they can't. I don't know. They seem mostly like they believe it. I should I should say. Yeah, I want to ask. Uh, you know, there's all these crazy stories, and you know, you've got your big post, you've got your long uh, poker history with many successes and many. Uh, sounds like it's got many pivots of sorts. You know, somewhere in there, you won uh, an EPT. Well, you're the Triple Crown winner. I mean, that's quite a prestigious accomplishment. Um, only one in nine people have done it, and you know, six point five million winnings and earnings. That's nothing to, nothing to, uh, what's the word? Uh, it's, yeah. it's a good accomplishment. Yeah. Um, I think so, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I've been, I've been pretty lucky with it. I'd, um, I, think, I think everyone has their own kind of little journey where they have little fortuitous moments, and a lot of mine, I mean, I guess by nature, these wins tend to come to break a downswing because, I guess, the nature of poker is you're downswinging until you're not, you know, so... That makes sense, but um, yeah, I was pretty lucky. I mean, the triple crown happened in a two-year period, so I literally had like, yeah, just two years where, whenever I was deep in a tournament, I would just win, and it was, I, I miss those days. Those were great, um, but um, it was it was so. I remember, like, I think I was eight of nine at the WPT final table and one. I was nine of nine at the World Series and one. I was uh, two of six, and I think my EPT final table was probably one of the hardest, if not the hardest, final table that I've ever like that I think I've been on that tour. It was myself, uh, Reiner Kempe, Sam Greenwood, Daniel Dvorez, um, uh, I don't know, Sikorchi. The rest of the names I forget, but they were all like good pros as well there was no kind of spots and stuff but it's just like poker so especially tournament poker it's like it's just so much can change just with the smallest bit of like fortune you know it's like and i'm not a super ethereal spiritual guy but part of me does believe that like 
like heaters do exist and like when you're confidence i don't know if it's a, a tangible thing where you just you're more focused and you're making better decisions when your confidence is up or if it's a otherworldly thing but when you're in that like heater period you just feel invincible you feel like you can't lose you know exactly what everyone has you know exactly what they're gonna do how they're gonna react and it's like a you feel like neo out of the matrix it's so strange but you have the reverse of that where you know like i before before covid came i had like a year where i think i made the same amount of final tables but i got instead of winning every one of them i got eighth in every one so it's just even though it's essentially the same performance mm -hmm. you lose the flip at the final table instead of win so your year's like 10 times worse even though it's the same thing basically um, and at that point you feel like oh no i can't like am i the worst player that's ever played this game maybe i could be the stone worst you know like and all these things even though you know it's not logical um so it's like kind of weird stuff like that that kind of you know i've had a lot of like guys i would say are really top players are really super logical but i mean i wouldn't name names but i have one said who who believes that he can change the deck run out just by thinking about it and he's dead serious stuff like that you know um and that's not stuff that i believe in and stuff but it is weird to see that how this game affects different people in different ways you know it's like i mean how i can't prove it's not true you know maybe maybe you can it's not a disprovable concept i guess but i i think i think that one thing that might i mean as far as this magic stuff goes um i think that I think what I personally think, uh, I don't know for sure, but it doesn't make a difference um, whether what's your right life EV thing is. But I do think that there is something uh, that at least it might be true that the more that if you play in a way that uh, at least it seems like it's true. If you play in a way that you're you're giving out, uh, for lack of a better word, positive vibes and doing it in a way that is positive. I think that that does create more luck than vice versa. Whereas I've noticed if I get super angry and I start getting in this, this mode of like revenge or whatever, I found that I lose much more often, like much more often than when I don't. Or if I, I've noticed even when I've like broken character as a character, like I've run bad, but I don't know <laughs> if that's variance or not. It's just like, but on the other right. hand, it's like, why do that anyway? You know what I mean? It's like, it's like a yeah. negative re-roll to do these things, especially if there's something going on behind that. Yeah, uh, yeah exactly. But it's uh, like, that's the thing. It's like you have all these, especially in the higher ends of poker, these guys that are very, very clearly hyper-intelligent in some cases as well. Like, you'll probably know more of them than me playing super high-stakes cash that these guys will be insane. And you've got these guys that are like hyper-rational, stuff like that, and they're like... Yeah, no, I'm not. I, I'm wearing the same socks as yesterday because I f***ing ran really good in these socks, you know? It's like, I'm sorry, you know? Well, it's like, like, is, it, is the game just beating us down into this or are we experiencing it on another plane? Like, what's going on? I just think it's funny either way, even if, like, it doesn't... Yeah, I love it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I love it, you know? I love I, I love that character stuff like the... Yeah. The... the you know, it'd be boring if it wasn't for all that kind of stuff, I think. Well, yeah, it's 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 like a positive free roll, and it's fun, and it's good to make the game more fun, which looks yeah, like you're doing yeah. a great job of, actually. Like, most people are boring shit to play with, by the way. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's a massive plus. That's like, I'm bored yeah. all my, my, myself. 
Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> I actually had a, a good one when uh, I was in Roswedov after I came back from Australia, and the uh, the the airline lost my luggage. I didn't have any luggage, so I played the first high roller in dressing gown and slippers. Mm-hmm. Um, so twenty five k. I ended up chopping it three ways. <laughs> okay, this is great. Then my bag arrives the next day, and. Uh, I get I put my normal clothes on. I get set over setted in the fifty k, and I'm like, you know, blah, blah. so for the, the the second twenty five k, I put the fucking dressing gown and slippers back on to go down and play this even though my clothes were back. But then I fucking lost anyway. So I don't know if that proves anything or not. But at least I gave it a go. You know, it was like that's what I get. Like when I got set over setted, my first thought was generally, this is what I get for wearing my own. Clothes, you know, like this is my own mistake. Like I could have avoided. Oh, you this. didn't put the slippers on. Is that what happened? Yeah, no. When my bag arrived, I, I am this for the. I wore my normal clothes for the next tournament oh, and instantly got set over set. Oh, and my, my hyper logical brain still couldn't escape it. I'm like, fucking idiot! Why didn't you wear the? Why didn't you wear the dressing gown? You know, you're so stupid. You deserve everything you get. You know. Uh, I had something similar happen. I I was not. I did not. I took off my uh, trident outfit where I'm I'm triton and I've got like the trident and uh, the conch and the conch shell. When I blew the conch shell, by the way, when I blew the conch shell, I got I got quad eights against top set very soon after. So you know, and I totally won when I had the conch shell. Um, but in this massive high sticks game for like 400k or something, it was like a 500k pot. Um, 200k buy, no joke. But when I came back to the tournament the next day and I wasn't in my outfit, I just snapped lost. It was like, just, just game over. Like, they had to pull me out, they're mad at me because there's no more show. Like, I just ruined the show because I wasn't on time. Um, <laughs> Do you uh, still have the con show? Uh, no, I need to get a new con show, I think. Yeah, but I get it. I, it's, it's, you know, it's Mystic Forces, man. It, it, you know, uh, need to work at it. I, I, it but, you know, maybe a Trident will resurface from after being defeated by the forces of evil once again. But we'll see. So we've talked a lot about all these goofy antics and poker and doing all this, uh, you know, making mistakes when we're younger or whatever. What's uh, Neil, uh, Neil Farrell the dad like? What, uh, I mean, how does having a kid change things? And um yeah by far the biggest change uh of anything um i thought i'd be absolutely awful at it because like most poker players i can barely look after myself let alone another child that's almost wholly dependent on me um but i've been surprised at how and i also was quite frightened that i wouldn't enjoy it as much as well because again Maybe because I don't know, there's a little bit of selfish nature to me. Like my life was always set up in a way that I didn't really have much stress. I, you know, every day I, I just doing something I really enjoyed. You know, it was no self sacrifice really. And I used to always be like quite arrogant about it. Like, like, you know, like why are these people complaining about their lives? Why don't they just make their lives great like mine is? You know, like that's what I did. It's amazing. It's just a horrible attitude to have looking back. But now, like, honestly, God, it's. It's the old cliche where like you can't understand it until it happens to you, and I never used to believe people that said this. I was like, yeah, you know, like whatever. But it's true. Um, it's the best thing in the world. It's the hardest thing you'll ever do, but it's um, by far the most worthwhile. He's just 
Especially at this age now, he's like just turned three now, so it's like he's like a little human being rather than a little dependent blob of like organs and skin. You know, now he's got his own personalities, ch like chipping away, and he's like trying to do, like the the moment for me that it f that felt like real like parenthood was you spend like the first two years trying to make them laugh, and then the first time they try and make you laugh, that's when it's like it's a real person now, you know. And it is, it's like all mushy, like sentimental cliches that I didn't believe any of them when any, before I had a kid when no one told me and I, I was very skeptical of them, but they're all true. It's like, you changes you so much as a person as well. You know, like I used to be very squeamish about like, I didn't want to like, you know, like the first nappy I had to like, first diaper I had to change, you know, I'm like, and now it's like, you're sleeping and he comes up and he just has a piss on your leg and you're like, oh, fuck's sake, you know? <laughs> like, it's just normal now. You're like, you don't give a shit about it anymore. Like, all this stuff just changes. Uh, but it's, it's the best thing in the world. And, you know, I don't, I don't know. Like, yeah, I don't, I, I don't, I didn't expect it to be, I didn't expect it to be like this because um, I was very skeptical of people that, you know, that would say it. But, um, no, it's incredible. I love it. I've had to sacrifice a bit, which is like my competitive nature is like, so I'd like, I took a little bit of time off before COVID and I just basically took the whole, the full COVID off. So this is me basically coming back to poker now. Like I did the World Series last year, but this is me, as of the start of this year, I'm putting effort in to try and get back to like playing super high rollers and stuff again. And it'll probably take me a while if it happens at all. But, um, because you know you have to be a lot more sensible and stuff now as well. Like you can't be you can't be as aggressive with the old bankroll where uh, you know if you lose it he can't eat rather than just you. You know, <laughs> so yeah. But it's worth it ten times over. Honestly, it's the best thing in the world. Can't say I've experienced it myself, but I'm glad it's worked out for you. And it sounds like you've really Scot Scottish fatherhood. It's very all of our dads are absolutely crazy. That's how it works over here. And yeah, I've heard uh, also that you'll be planning. Yeah, I remember. You t well, as you just said, you'll be planning to uh, get back into high rolls and all that. So it'll be great seeing you on the felt in the future of two thousand and twenty-three. Maybe we'll run into each other. Yeah, uh, maybe we will. Some mystic, mystic stuff going on. Um, you'll have to bring your corn shell, and I'll have a dressing going on with slippers and shit. We'll try and out magic each other. All right, sure. We'll we'll have a magic battle. <laughs> Sorts. I've got a I've got a flute actually, so I can like Scottish <laughs> tunes. Hopefully by the end. Um, what's this? What's this taps off about? <laughs> Amazing. Uh, yeah, taps off is a Scottish tradition where uh, it essentially used to come from. Whenever the temperature went above like four degrees, that's officially we declare summer, and we declare it by immediately taking our tap off. Your tap is your top which in uh, in Scotland in the UK is a is a unisex term for your your t-shirt or shirt um, and but it has then evolved into a, a, a method of celebration and I know uh, I'm assuming you might have got this from Dan who's a big taps off uh, aficionado and Mr. Dan Smith who uh, I did not know that yeah <laughs> We, we discussed it because we, we have a lot of similar interests. I mean, I actually went to Dan for coaching a few years back and we got talking and we had a lot of similar interests and those similar interests were drinking and taking our shirt off. <laughs> um, so, 
but then he, he was uh, delighted to hear that it was actually a cultural thing in Scotland that it's not you know he I think maybe he'd felt he found somewhere that he had this natural inclination to take his shirt off when he was drinking and maybe he's found like his soul country that he was meant to be born in and ever since then it was a uh, I heard a great story. In fact, I think it was against you actually, where you and Sauce battled, and then I think Sauce maybe got the better of you one time, and Sauce went taps off in the house. And I like to think I had the small, small, uh, um, the small effect, because uh, I think Dan was living with Sauce at the time. Uh, and yeah, it's um, essentially now it's just a kind of mode of celebration. So there's a couple. Whenever I win a tournament now, I always try and get at least one photo where I'm shirtless. So, you know, to <laughs> truly exemplify taps off. I think I might have to utilize this one for a couple of reasons myself. It's, um, it's, uh, yeah, those may, it, this may be an inspiring thing. We, this it may be able to get into uh, our magic battle as well. Oh, absolutely. Like I mean, I have I have the fantasy where I'm like, where your head's up in the main, and like you run a massive bluff. And as they're thinking about it, you just take your shirt off. And just announce taps off. Like in this most pivotal moment. And if there's any justice in the world, I'll get to enact it one day. Yeah, well, I hope so too. Uh, it'd be tough to do it in the main, but uh, some other tournament, I hope you can do it really. And, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll retweet it or put it up on Instagram or whatever it is. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, we. Uh, we're out of time now, but I'm looking forward to battling your end to your 2023 success. I uh, wish you good luck. Thank you, sir. Thanks very much for having me. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, no, it's like if, if I was Irish or English, it would be Niall, but for some reason, Scotland's just Niall. Well, if your name is Niall, you can annihilate someone. That's true. That's true. I can also live a life in denial.